Proverbs chapter number 8 this evening. Read verses 10 through 21 tonight responsibly. I'll begin reading in verse number 10 and we'll alternate verses down through verse number 21. Proverbs chapter number 8 this evening. Proverbs chapter number 8. I'll begin reading in verse number 10. Bible says in Proverbs 8.10, Receive my instruction, and not silver in knowledge, rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell prudence, and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way... And the froward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. By me kings reign, and princes decree justice. By me princes rule, and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the path of judgment, that I may cause those that I love to to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. And let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for the clarity of the scriptures. We thank you for a place that we can come to hear the word of God being preached. We've enjoyed being in church. Fellowship's been good. The singing's been enjoyable. It's touched our heart. But Lord, most of all, we appreciate your presence and power through the preaching of God's word this morning. Lord, we're here again this evening. Never again will we be assembled this way with this group of people. Tonight's message will be important for us. May we be clear-minded as we think on the scripture that's been prepared for us tonight, as it's been prepared by the preacher. Fill him with your power as he preaches. May we be yielded to you as we listen. We'll ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Keep your Bibles open to Proverbs chapter 8. We're going to use our Bibles tonight. I want to start by saying this. Religion as usual, perverts a lot of things in Scripture. Religion is not a good word scripturally. I am not a religious person. I'm a biblical person. I'm a Christian. Uh, I don't agree with, and I never will agree with, these preachers who, uh, so-called preachers or preacherettes or whatever, that get up and make millions and tens of millions of dollars and have to drive expensive cars and live in multi-million dollar mansions off of the backs of people uh, just in hopes that as people give money that they'll get more money and the preacher drives off rich. I hate that stuff. Uh, there's nothing scriptural about it. It's wrong, and they're prostituting the Word of God. Did I make it clear enough? Uh, I hate that mess. I'm talking about the Joel Holsteins and the uh, Joyce Myers and uh, all these people that they they make a lot of money off of uh, out of the name of God, but they sure are not bringing honor and glory to God with the money. There's no such thing as seed money, and you give, and God's going to guarantee you to be rich. It doesn't work that way. Uh, now let's get to where the lesson is here. We are in a recession financially. I don't care what the current administration says. When banks are failing, 
When the cost of living increases faster than productivity and wages are not increasing, that is the definition of recession. They can spin it however they want. He can get up and talk about how wonderful the economy is, but when the second largest bank in the United States of America fails, we're not good financially. Everybody doing okay? Uh, And by the way, uh, America, under the current leadership, is only going to get worse financially. It's not going to get better. We are over 30 trillion dollars in debt let me define 30 trillion dollars for you now a billion seems like a big number doesn't it let's put it in terms of seconds a billion seconds is 31.7 years A billion seconds is almost 32 years. A trillion seconds is 31,710 years. You go from 31.7 years to 31,710 years. That's the difference between a billion and a trillion, and we are $30 trillion in debt. Think through that for a moment. That, you have to understand something. I was born in 1967. I heard a sermon by Brother Roloff the other day, and he was complaining about how bad in debt we were, and it was in the billions. I looked it up. We are 150 times more indebted now than we were the year I was born. 150 times. You cannot keep spending more than you make and be good financially. That's true as a country. That's true as an individual. Now, let me say this. God never promised everybody would be wealthy. I love reading great Americans. Recently, I've read quite a few autobiographies. Harvey Firestone, Henry Ford, uh, um, uh, Thomas Edison, been reading one on Andrew Carnegie. Uh, who's the other? Um, no, another guy involved in steel. Uh, Rockefeller. Rockefeller was a born again Christian. By the way, Henry Ford, Rockefeller, Firestone, and Edison were all saved men. But I love something Henry Ford said. He said, every, every American has the right to be poor and be lazy and not work. That's your right. But you don't have the right to demand everybody else pay your way. Now, God never promises you to be wealthy. Nor does God promise to give you everything that you could ever want in life. God does promise to help us have the best that we can have within our means. There's a difference. 
God does say that we don't have to be bankrupt as Christians. Um, Proverbs chapter 8, look at verse number 11. Let's start in verse 10. Receive my, what's the next word? Instruction. Instruction. And not silver. And knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies. Now watch these next few words. And all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. In other words, knowledge and wisdom are more valuable than silver, gold, and all the things you could ever want. Now, I need you to listen to me very carefully here. God says that wisdom is far more important than wealth. There is nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of evil. God says that the love of money is the root of all evil. When everything that you do in life revolves around having to make money just to make it, to get the things you want, you're loving money, not God. Uh, If the focus of most of your effort is on the making of money and you have to get overtime and you have to do this because you have to pay these bills and these bills, you are at a point where you've loved money and things more than wisdom. I, I really believe this next statement is a true thing. If I had to choose between a $100,000 check and wisdom, I would take wisdom over the $100,000 check. I've learned that wisdom will bring $100,000 or more over time. I've seen it happen. Well, nobody's ever offered you $100,000. Yeah, they have. Had a man put $100,000 in our church account when we were building this building. But I didn't ask him for it. He's a very wealthy man. He called and asked me, Craig, what do you need? I said, I won't tell you. I'll tell God. If you want to give something, God's going to have to tell you what to give, not me. The man's worth billions. I wouldn't tell him what I needed. Say why? It's none of his business. It was between me and God. God knew what we needed when we needed it. And I could never ask anybody for that kind of money. But God could. Everybody doing all right? You see, wisdom is far more important than the $100,000. I wonder how many people would take the check and not have wisdom. Now listen carefully here. You don't necessarily need more money, but we all need more wisdom. You say, well, preacher, I could use more money. I didn't say you couldn't use it. But you need wisdom more than you need more money. And if you'll listen to me tonight, I'm going to take the Bible. I'm going to show you verse after verse, principle after principle, what the scripture says on wise finances in tough times. The average salary in America as of 2022 is $55,000. 
the solid middle class of America, the average salary is $55,000. I've been saying for years, if you make forty dollars to $50,000 a year, you can live comfortably. I didn't say luxuriously. If you and your spouse together make $50,000, you're living at a, a normal standard, and that's being able to own a home, cars, pay your bills, and live comfortably. I make just barely over 55000 I mean, that much over. I have men on our board mad because I won't. I gave part of my salary back years ago when we started into this building, and I haven't taken most of it back yet. <laughs> Preacher, yeah, uh, our church needed it more than I do. I'm doing okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> I love you, but I'm going to make a very abrupt statement. If you make $55,000 or more a year as a family and you struggle financially, you are not wise. Plain and simple. Well, you still understand, preacher. Yeah, I do. I understand the Bible. Well, times are tough, and they're tough because you haven't been wise. Allow me to take the Bible. <clears throat> 33 years of the ministry, the churches I've worked in, well over $100 million in budgets. I think I know a little bit more about money than the average person in here. Now, I don't have $100 million. <laughs> I'm lucky if I got 100 No, uh, but I, I'm not a wealthy person, but yeah, our church budget's around... Somewhere in the neighborhood, two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars a year right now. That's a, a quarter to a third of a million dollars every year. We've built, uh, bought four acres and built a building. I understand it. I had a banker come to my office this week, and we met, and we talked finances. And he said, "Pastor, you're not like most pastors." I said, "You don't know how much that's true." He said, you understand business. I said, I know I do. That's why you're sitting in my office and I'm not in yours. And he looked at me and said, good point. I'm not promising you that you're going to be wealthy. That's foolish. I'm promising God's blessings and your needs met if you'll do it God's way, not your way. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying you're not going to have to <clears throat> juggle bills at the end of the month every month if you'll do it God's way. I didn't say you're going to have a ton left over, but you'll at least make your payments. God tells us that if we live by his wisdom and his principles, he will help us. Look at verse number 18. I love this. Look at verse 17. I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me. Yea, what's the next word? Durable riches and righteousness. Let me ask you a question. How much durable riches do you have? 
Why buy the best of everything? Yeah, and you have to keep buying it too because it's not durable. Even in America, we understand something called durable goods. God says, if you'll do it my way, I'll give you durable riches. Riches that endure. Riches that last. Uh, we live in such a society that if something breaks or something's not quite what we want, we throw it away and go buy another one. God tells us if we'll live his way, his fruit, his riches will be better than silver and gold. He'll help. Matter of fact, he says he will help us inherit substance to fill our treasure. Verse number 21. Now, I heard a story this week. It's hilarious. I shared it with Brother Josh and my secretary, and I decided I was going to put it in this sermon. Little widow was praying for God to fill her cupboards, fill her pantry. Every day, God, fill my, my pantry. Well, one day she walked out, and the whole front step was filled with groceries. She stood on the front porch, and she had a glory spell. Well, glory, glory to God. Look what God did. And just then, the atheist neighbor jumped out from the shrubbery and said, Ha, I caught you. She said, what do you mean? He said, I bought those. Your God didn't do that. I did. She said, glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. God answered my prayer. He said, no, he didn't. I did. I went to the store. I used my money. I bought those groceries. I put them there. God didn't. How can you say God did it? She said, God answered my prayer and used the devil to pay for it. I love that. I love that. I love that. Can I show you how God can use the devil to pay for it? If you'll do it his way, you won't be the devil paying for it. Number one. Look at verse number 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. Mark those words. The word dwell means live. Lifestyle. Where your house is is where you dwell. In the last couple of weeks, I'm not sure where my house was. A week in Georgia, week in, or weekend in Texas, but week back in Georgia, and then back home to West Virginia. First night we got back, first morning I got up, and I had to stand and turn around and figure out where I was and how to get to where I needed to go. Been so long since I had been there. I wouldn't know you would, but I wouldn't. Uh, now, <laughs> Marcia does that every day. Uh, <laughs> for some of you, you hide your own Easter eggs. You're still looking for last year's. Now, uh, the word prudence, not only, I want you to know something. The word dwell means lifestyle. You're dwelling. It becomes a part of your life. Not something you visit it is an everyday part of your life. The word prudence means this. Cautious, low risk, avoiding danger, careful. God says wisdom lives at a lifestyle that's cautious, low risk, avoids danger, and is careful. 
Wisdom says, I'm not going to extend beyond what I know I can do. Just because I want it doesn't make it a need. Just because I something's broken doesn't mean it needs fixed today. Financially, we need to be prudent. We need to be cautious. In times of tightness, we shouldn't be spending what we don't have to spend. Prudence is finding the cheapest and the best way to do something. Prudence is also knowing when to do something. Does that make sense to everybody? Uh, (laughs) There's only two ways to fix a financial problem. You either increase the income or you decrease the outgo. You can go to any money management seminar you want to go to, it boils down to increase income, decrease outgo. And if you're in an emergency situation, you do both at the same time. These are not days to start going into debt, especially after interest rates are climbing like they are. Now, for some, you have money, you have things in savings and reserve, and you have plenty to take care of what you're doing. I'm good with that. Well, preacher, you just got a new truck in December. Yes, and I can make the payment. But I only have one payment. I have two vehicles. I sold my old truck, took the money that it took to fix it up to get it to my nephew, fixed up that truck, got it to him all in good repair, bought my wife a 1998 Buick. It's like driving a couch. (laughs) You sit in that thing, it's like sitting in a couch. But she doesn't drive that much. It had less than 100,000 miles on it. She might drive five or 6,000 miles a year. At that rate, it'll last another 20 years. Now, I'm not saying she's going to drive it for the next 20 years. I do have to get a cushion so that she can sit up and see her. No, I don't. I'm teasing. Now, wait a minute. But I'm not going to go out and buy her a brand new car to drive at 5,000 miles a year. And make four or $500 a month payments on it. I bought me a Ford Ranger. Why? Because to buy an F-150 that I wanted was $15,000 more than what I paid for this one. I'll settle for the Ranger. It's four inches narrower and a foot and a half less on the bed. Who cares? I don't use it for uh, construction type work. Getting blood in the back end of a Ranger is just as good as getting blood in the back end of an F-150. I put a deer in the back of this thing, two, three, four, five of them, amen. Doesn't bother me. Rack them and stack them. Here we go. Yeah, buddy. As long as you got the tags, you can do it. Now, wait a minute. I, I chose not to go up another level. It's the best I could afford at the time. Everybody understand that? But I only have one payment. Now. 
you either have to increase the income or decrease the outgo. Prudence, wisdom, learns what a priority is and what a priority is not. Take your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 22. Again, I'm going to use scripture, not my opinion, not just my experience. Proverbs chapter 22. But for some of you, if you'd listen to somebody that knows something about finances, I could help you. If you wouldn't be so full of pride and listen, I can help you. Proverbs chapter 22, look at verse number one. A good name is rather to be chosen than what? Great riches. And loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are, what's the last word? Punished. When we elected the current administration, you heard me stand behind this pulpit and say, be careful financially. We're headed for tough times. A prudent man foreseeth the evil. And yet there are people in here, your credit card debt, you're making the same payment and you're going farther in debt just by making the minimum payment. Say why? Because the interest rates have climbed so much. Well, I keep making my payments and it's not, yeah, you're making your payments, but the interest rates went from, you, well, you were paying at 8, 9, 10%, now you're paying 20 to 30%. And you're not going to get out of it. Look at Proverbs chapter 23. Don't get mad at me, get mad at God. I didn't write it, I just read it. Proverbs chapter 23, look at verse number 4. Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward the heaven. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. Isn't it amazing how fast people's money goes? You hear these people, well, if I had this much money, this is what I would do. Do you know, I don't think about things like that. I don't think about, well, if I had this much money, what would you do with that much money? I don't know. I don't want anything. I'd probably give it to the church and let God take care of it and see a whole bunch of people get saved. I don't know. But I do know this. I want my wife cared for, whether I'm here or not. I want my family cared for. I want to be able to pay my bills. I want to be able to have my house paid off. I want to be able to be a good name. Uh, that banker sat in my office and he said, Pastor, he said, your church has a good name in the banking, uh, in the banks in this area. I said, I understand that. Now, next time I need a $40,000 loan for a van, how come you're not going to give it to me? We talked about it for a while. I said, you have to understand something. I think I'm a pretty decent businessman. He said, no, not pretty decent. He said, I wished everybody had the character that you and your church have. He said, we respect that. I said, well, then we have to have a long talk. Having a good name. A good name means this. You pay your bills and you pay them on time. 
and you pay them off. When things get tough, how do you increase your income and decrease your outgo? I wrote several things down here. Sell off all unnecessary things, including things you still owe money on. For instance, if you have extra vehicles, boats, RVs, etc., and you're making payments right now, do me a favor, sell them. If you can get out of it, get out of it. If you're having troubles paying your bills, some of you, uh, you have two car payments and you've got this payment and this payment and then you're paying licenses and insurance on these vehicles and you've got this and that and this and that and you've got all these things. Some of you, you could live a whole lot more comfortably and have actually money for retirement if you quit spending it all. I wonder how many people have a garage, a shed, or a basement full of things that they bought because they thought they'd use it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you guys have had a tool. You bought it one time for a job, never used it again, but I had to have that tool. I, I could use that tool three or four times and pay for itself, and you've only ever used it once. Okay, let me give you an illustration. Yes, I'm not in the same state, so I'm safe. When I was in Georgia, my dad had made a cradle for my three kids. Uh, I told them whoever had the first baby gets the cradle. Michael and Mindy lost, I mean, won, the, uh, won it. Uh, and we, they took it down there, and we had trouble getting uh, one cross member together because somehow the threads on the one end of the board got, got rolled over. I went out and bought some files, $6 worth of files, tried to file that thing around. I still couldn't get the bolt started. Say, what'd you do? 1-800-MEL-BUSH. <laughs> Called a man that made it, amen? I said, hey, Pop, I got a problem. I can't get this stupid thing together. I got this problem. He said, what did you do? I said, I did what you told me last time. It still didn't work. He said, you need to go get a die. I said, well, what size of that? He said, well, I'm pretty sure it's this, but uh, that should work. Well, I go to Lowe's. I got to spend $40 to buy four dies, four taps, and the tool that goes with it. <sighs> now, I didn't do what my dad said do, but I came pretty close. He said, take the board with you, buy it, go to the parking lot, open it up, do it, wipe it out, and take it back in and get your money back. I didn't do that, but I did take it home. I busted two threads down the depth of a, of a nut that goes over top of it. I said, Michael, clean this thing out real good. We're going to put it all back in here. And I took it back to Lowe's the next day and got my money back. I said, do you need these? He said, Dad, I didn't even know these things existed. I never saw anything like this. I said, that means you're not going to use it. He said, no. Well, obviously, I don't need them. I said, if it's something you're going to need, I'll give them to you. If it's not something you're going to use, I'm going to take it back and get my 40 bucks back. I wonder how many of you have piles of tools like that that you've never used again, that you could sell. Everybody doing all right? Man, I feel like I'm on an island all by myself. I'd rather rent something once or twice than go out and buy it. You say, why? Because I'm not guaranteed I'll ever need it again. And I've, I know people go spend two, three, four hundred dollars on something, use it one time, and it sits there and rots. 
Because you'll never use it again. You already did the project you needed to do it with. Well, go rent it. Boy, that's good stuff. <sighs> if you can rent it, rent it, don't buy it. If you can sell it and get out of the payment, sell it, get out of the payment. Some of you have boats or cars or uh, RVs or, you know, 16 four-wheelers. Uh, sell them. Get out of the payments, get out of the licensing, get out of the insurance on it, and you'd be surprised how much money you could save. This one's really going to make somebody mad, but I'm just going to say it. If you can't pay for your vacation in cash, don't do it. And cash doesn't mean your credit card. Cash means cash. I understand people need and have a desire to do vacation. I'm not against it. But instead of paying four, five, six, seven, eight, ten thousand dollars for a vacation, take a week off and enjoy doing things around the house with your family and go do free things. Am I doing all right? I can't tell you how many times we did free vacations. You say, what'd you do? We'd go down to DC and look at all the free things in DC that we paid for through our taxes. <laughs> go to the air and space museum, pack a lunch and put it in the car because we didn't have enough money to spend $8 a person or $10 a person at McDonald's. <sighs> Folks, a family of five at $10 a person, that's 50 bucks a pop. And I don't know about you, but 50 bucks is a lot of money, especially when you got three kids and two of them eat like cows. Yeah, and that wasn't Mindy either. Uh, I can't tell you how many times vacation was. I would, I would call a preacher and say, look, I'm coming to your area on vacation. And I had some preacher friends that had uh, like a house that the church owned that preachers could stay there. And they would say, preacher, come on here, spend the week here. I'll have you preach a time or two so that you can stay in the house. You got your housing for free and we'd go fishing. We'd do things in the area there. And I went and I preached for vacation. I, I earned my pay for vacation while I was there. We did that a lot. But we saw a lot of things too. We didn't spend much money on it because we didn't have it. So there, there's prudence. Be prudent. Go through everything you have. Ladies, God knows there's things you have in your kitchen you could sell. You have gadgets, widgets, and gadgets that you haven't used since you bought them. But I got to have it. Now, I understand there's things you use from time to time. You know, you're not going to use a spring form pan every week, but some of you need those on some my regular basis. I get it. You say, what's a springform pan? You don't use it, don't worry about it. I got it. But may I say something? Some of you have more gadgets and gadgets. You had to have the latest air fryer, and you got three of them because you got each model. You got four Keurigs. You got 16 coffee pots, and you don't even drink coffee. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I wonder how many of those things you say, well, I'm not going to get everything out of Yeah, but it's costing you money just sitting there if you got 
10, 15, 20 bucks a piece out of those things, you could make money. You have hundreds and hundreds, and some of you have thousands and thousands of dollars sitting there doing nothing but eating your riches. Be prudent. Number two, I have to hurry. Wise people make pleasing God the focus of their life, not making or spending money. Wise people make pleasing God the focus of life, not making or spending money. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Look at verse number 9. Lick your finger, stick it in your neighbor's ear. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, look at verse number 9. Honor the Lord with thy what? Substance. And with the first fruits of all thine increase. That's talking about tithing. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Look at Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 2. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but the righteous delivereth from death. Some of you are so in debt that when you die, your family's going to go in debt just to put your carcass in the ground. Proverbs chapter 11, look at verse number 4. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. In other words, uh, your money isn't going to buy your way out of a bad situation. Proverbs chapter 16, look at verse number 7. Proverbs 16, look at verse number 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great, what's the next word? That means money, without right. God says better is a little that's right than great revenue that's not right. Wow. Look at Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28. Again, don't get mad at me. I didn't write it. I just am reading it to you. Proverbs 28, look at verse number 20. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. To have respect of persons is not good, for for a piece of bread that man will transgress. In other words, there are people that yoke up with rich people just to get money. God says, don't do that. I know some wealthy people, but I'm not their friend because they have money. I'm their friend because I'm their friend. I've had a couple rich men tell me they wanted to do something for me, and I said, don't do it. You can do it for my church, but don't you dare do it for me. Don't want, don't want your stuff. Preacher, yeah. Don't want it. Can I tell you something? You can't afford not to tithe. Honor the Lord with your first fruits. <laughs> I wish you knew how many widows God's allowed me to help. And we've practiced this. I believe even a widow, if she gets a uh, life insurance policy on her husband or vice versa, a widower from his wife, I believe that you ought to tithe on it. That's an increase. It's a preacher. Yeah. When Rick Walter died at the age of 42 and I sat down at the kitchen table in Maine with his, 
widowed wife and has five or six kids, I looked at her and I said, the first thing you need to do is write your tithe check to your church. I said, then let's talk. She wrote it out at the table. The new, the new young pastor sitting there going, I couldn't do that. I said, well, you're going to have to learn how to. I said, she'll live better by obeying God than not obeying God. She said, well, this is what my husband wanted me to do. I said, okay, and I picked up the phone. And I called that pastor and said, I'm sitting at the table with such and such person. And her husband just passed, as you know. And he wanted her to move to your church in your area. I'm going to hook her up with you. What time can she call you next week? Set up an appointment with him. I helped her move there. She doesn't even have to work. She does, but she doesn't have to. You say, why? Because she obeyed God. I can't tell you how many times she has told me, thank you, preacher, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, you obey God. Miss Wally. If you knew the story behind Miss Wally, you would never believe it all. I sat down with my sister-in-law, told her the same thing. She's doing it. Uh, Miss Loretta. Uh, say, preacher, are you trying to get money out of these people? No, I'm trying to get them to obey God so God can bless them. I told my sister-in-law what she needed to do. She started tithing. No lie. <laughs> Cross my heart and hope Brother Steve dies or something. I mean, uh, uh, she said, Craig, she said, I don't know how I'm going to make next couple weeks. Uh, they messed some things up and I'm not getting my check. I said, you've obeyed God. Just watch what God can do. She had a pull-behind trailer that Paul had, I think 16, 18-foot trailer fairly expensive she needed air conditioning work done on her trailer <laughs> guy came looked at the trailer bought the trailer as he was pulling out of the driveway the air conditioner man came in and she had the money to pay him she said god did it again i said i'm telling you i can't explain how i just know he will that's how god works everybody doing all right you see, Proverbs chapter 8, look at verse number 14. This is part of what we read before. Oh, i got to hurry. Counsel is mine, sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. Some of you need to seek counsel about your finances. If you're struggling, come talk to somebody that can help you. Thirdly, and I'll, I'll hurry through this, wisdom lives on a budget and lets the budget decide the spending. Everybody look at me for a moment. Are there any nail prints in those hands? Yes or no? No. I am not God. But I do know what God said. You're not God either. If you're struggling and things are super duper tight and you can't keep up with it and it's that way all the time, maybe you ought not rely on your own wisdom and borrow somebody else's wisdom. Let me ask you a question. Do you want me to run the church finances the way you run your personal finances? Some of you would leave this church if I did. I love you. Wisdom takes character. And living on a budget takes character. Living by budget takes character. Turn to Proverbs chapter 27. 
I'll just look at a couple of these. I'll mention a couple of these. Proverbs chapter 27. Look at verse number 23. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds for riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation? In other words, for riches are not forever. Do well to know the state of your flocks. You better know what's about to break and what's not. How much you have and how much you need. Uh, Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 6. Proverbs 15, verse number 6. Bible says, in the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. If you're constantly in financial trouble, God puts you in a world of wickedness. Proverbs 8.18 says he he deals in durable riches. Don't take on foolish debt. Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22, look at verse number 27 again. If thou hast nothing to pay, why should he take away thy bed from under thee? Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Seest thou a man in his, diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings and shall not stand before mean men. Some of you, if you're not careful, they're going to take everything you have away. Proverbs chapter 28, look at verse number 20. Again, don't get mad at me, I'm just reading it. Proverbs chapter 28, look at verse number 20. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. To have respect of persons is not good, for for a piece of bread that man will transgress. It's amazing how much people will do just for what they want for themselves. What's good debt? Well, first of all, where you live ought to be a priority. I'm not against a house, but some of you could afford a $175,000 or $150,000 house, not a $500,000 house. There are people in here, you can afford a $500,000 house. I'm happy for you. If you can make the payments or pay it off in cash, go for it. I have no problem with that. Some of you could afford an even more valuable house. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I don't advise renting for long. Rent is a good way to throw your money away. It's amazing there, there, you can't hardly rent anything for less than twelve to fifteen hundred dollars a month in this area. My house payment is much less than that. Rent is just giving somebody else money that's your money. Uh, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but uh, so a house is not bad debt. A car that's fairly reliable is not necessarily bad debt unless you can't afford the payment. A $1,000 a month payment on a truck that's $100,000 is not wise. And I know people that do that. Everybody doing okay? 
high interest rate credit cards are not good debt. Well, I had to have this. There's a difference in had to and want to. Unsecured or unneeded loans. I wonder how many of you, if you took all the different loans you have and added it up, how much more you could save if you didn't have those things. Maybe instead of buying a brand new car, you buy a 1998 car. I have one new one. I get that, but I can afford it too. Everybody doing okay? I also got it on discount because my dad's a former Ford employee. Take the discount while I got it, amen? Biggest bang for my buck. But I also don't have everything loaded and I'm not paying an exorbitant price for it. I can make the payments comfortably. I don't think it's wise to borrow on your 401ks or your retirement. Leave it there. Don't touch it. You older folks, there are people out there that want you to have what they call a reverse mortgage. You own your house and you can start borrowing money out of your house and never pay it back. But when your kids get your house or you sell your house, you're going to pay it back at about 25 or 30% interest. All at one time. I don't think you ought to borrow a whole bunch on your house to where you have no equity left. There's people, uh, I'm not against refinancing your home for a better mortgage rate. There's some cases where if you have enough equity, slide a few things in there because it may be cheaper. But And take those payments and add it to your house payment. But watch this. As the market inflated and housing prices went up, people started taking debt they had and throw it in their house, throw it in their house, and throw it in the house. And when the house market crashes, I didn't say if, I said when. And it's about to happen soon. And when your $350,000, $400,000 house is now worth $200,000, you couldn't sell your house and get out of it because you owe too much on it. Plain and simple. Don't get involved in foolish debt. Never have a reverse mortgage. Can I give you another bit of advice? Don't eat out all the time. My wife and I eat out at most once a week, and we didn't do that till the kids were gone. <laughs> I better turn my back on this one. That means you don't have to stop at Sheets and eat every day, too. Or any, <laughs> I was sitting at the Capitol Hill Club with Dr. Harding and two other preachers this week, Thursday. And, or, yeah, and there were four of us. And I said, Dr. Harding, and one of the pa- guys pastored in, in Charleston. I said, Dr. Harding, there's something that you don't understand that this preacher and I understand. I said, do you know how you tell if a gas station's a good gas station in West Virginia? He said, how? I said, I looked at Brother Bartlett and I said, by how good the chicken is? That man almost fell on the floor laughing. It is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Now, I ain't taking my wife to the gas station to go get chicken. I'm sorry. If I'm going on a date, I'm going on a date. 
But I promise you, if you looked at your checkbook or how much money you spend at every time you stop to get gas, you'd be shocked. There are people in this room, you could make one or two house payments a year out of the money you spend doing that. I promise you. I know what I'm talking about. Well, it's only $5 here, $5 there. Okay, $5, five days a week, $25 a week times 52 weeks. That's $100 a month. That's $1,200 a year. That's a house payment or more. Just $5 a day. You just wasted a whole house payment a year. Why? Your, your belly is your God. <laughs> Bible talks about whose God is their belly. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Some of you, your heart's big. <laughs> hey, and instead of spending so much on groceries, maybe fast one meal a day. Very few people in this room couldn't miss a meal a day. Ouch. Now we're getting personal, aren't we? Amazing. If you had to, had to eat one less meal a day, I wonder how much you could save in your food bill. I'm not talking about your children. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. But there are people in this room that you're struggling. And if you just listen to me, I could help you, and I'm over time. i got to quit. Let me say this. <laughs> the fastest way to cut spending... is to quit spending. I know that sounds simple. I like giving things away. My wife will tell you. I don't keep the checkbook because I'd probably write checks for everybody else and then wonder how to pay my bills. I taught my wife how to, how to run the budget and things because I wanted her to be able to run the household if something happened to me. I oversee it all. I get it. But watch this. I give myself an allowance, and I don't spend money outside of that. I pay cash for things. Now, not my fuel and things like that, but if, if I'm going to pay for fuel, I've got a special card, gives me a discount, and I pay for fuel, and we pay it off every month. And I'm getting 30 cents a gallon off right now on it. Right now, that's a lot. I've saved about 20 bucks in the last month or two. Now, wait a minute. I can pay that off, but if I'm going to, we went to the activity yesterday. I paid cash. Paid for a couple of our fellows to go just because I wanted to, but it was my, my money. It was my fun money. If I'm going to stop at Sheets, it's gonna, coming out of my wallet not out of my plastic. If I'm out shopping or something, unless it's something she and I have discussed, I'm not going to spend it. Say why? Times are tough. Don't spend more than you have. <laughs> I give myself about usually about 20 bucks a week at most, and half the time I don't even take that. I just throw it back in and say, dump extra on this. Because I just don't spend money much. 
Boy, that's good stuff. Start tracking how much money you spend. Cable, TV, video games. If times are tough and you're paying for video games, you're not wise. Get advice and follow it. It's not going to get better soon. We have two more years of the current idiocracy. That was the nicest way I know how to say it. It's not going to get better for a while. Maybe you ought to dwell with prudence and wisdom. You say, well, when, when I get to a better spot, I'll do that. No, that's how you get to the better spot. You don't wait till you get to a better spot. That's how you get there. Once you get there, you keep doing what got you there. <laughs> Can I teach you something my dad taught me? If you have to live on overtime, you, you're spending way too much than you have. If you can't live on your base salary, you want too many things. Your overtime ought to be for retirement. Your overtime ought to be for extra things, not just to make bills this month. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. Maybe we just ought to be wise. I'm not asking for me. I'm asking for you so that you and your family can make it and do okay.